Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Still Growing Grace. I have a wonderful episode for you today. Thank you for taking time to join in. If you're watching or listening later, either via the podcast, because we have a whole bunch of podcast sites this gets uploaded to, uh, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, there's a whole bunch. We have the link down below. Hey, good morning, Sandy. Great seeing you on there. Um, I'm trying a different platform this morning. Um, I usually use a program called Restream to send stuff from OBS, but today I'm using the actual Restream studio uh, online. And it has some other features, but it doesn't have as much flexibility as OBS, but I want to try this and see how it can work. And um, yeah, I'm just trying something new just to find a way to make this work better and better. Um, today, I have a great topic. It's on giving. I know every single person when they walk into church and they hear the message is going to be on giving, they are just full of joy. They're so enthusiastic. Yes, I get to learn about giving. Yes, <coughs> I get to give. I get to give. And oh boy, oh boy, I can hardly wait. Where's the offering plate? Says no one ever. And yet, what is this thing about giving? Why is the joy of giving being robbed from so many believers? Um, in fact, if, if I have noticed a pattern, um, I would say many who have begun the journey of unlearning the system of um, legalism, we'll start with that, which is like, it's like legalism is like a deconstruction, uh, moving from legalism to grace is like a deconstruction from really strict rules that were never intended to be there anyway. Um, but giving was one of those rules. And I know we've been talking about the list of deconstruction for a long time. This topic is not on the list. And I realized we probably need to address this one. This is a biggie. Because the pattern I've seen is more, more and more people as they discover the journey of uh, don't have to anymore for anything, then they just don't. And that includes giving. And yet giving is a huge topic through the scriptures. It's never coerced. It's never pressured. It's never under duress. It's from the heart. And that's the point. How do we understand giving from a lens that gives us joy? Well, you're in for a treat. Uh, the next two conversations we're going to have, part one today and part two next week, is just about this topic. And we're going to get pretty raw and real and uh, kind of wrestle through this uncomfortable conversation. Now, you got to remember, I'm, I'm probably the only pastor in this group. Um, so I'm still a pastor. Uh, it's not a necessarily traditional church, and we have already unlearned an awful lot as a church family. But this is still an uncomfortable topic for me to address because I don't like pressuring people. And yet we need income to survive. Just let's be honest about it. What's this money for? Is it so God will bless you or, hey, to help us keep this thing going? So um, here we go. Just being real. Let's uh, let's dig into the uh, conversation. I'm watching with you live right here. And uh, it'll be fun if you comment or hear something you like. 
Uh, I'm going to see if I can begin to throw some comments onto the screen. I'm going to test it right now. So Sandy, you're going to be the first I'm going to test. Let's see if I can put you. Oh, is that possible? Show. Here we go. Look at this. Ta-da. See, it worked. So if you comment and if I'm able to put it on, I'll do that. Not all comments are visible or shareable, but uh, I want to play with this and have a little bit of fun. So let's let's dig in. I think you're going to enjoy this next video. Here we go. All right. Hello, guys. Um, we had briefly talked about a topic last time, and it's one I didn't like much, but um, it's an important one. And uh, when we started talking through this journey, uh, use, if you want to use the word deconstruction, which is still a valid word, uh, or unlearning or basic human discipleship, you know, it's just still learning and growing. Um, there are some pillars of deconstruction uh, that are pretty big. You know, we talk about penal substitution, we talk about hell, we talk about the Bible, inerrancy, all that fun stuff. But one we we've never talked about is the idea of money and giving. And it's a, yeah, there you go. It's a huge <laughs> one. Um, and I thought uh, Bob actually is the one who kind of said, hey, we should make, we should talk about this topic. And um, um, in my role as a pastor, it's been really hard to talk about it because uh, a number of years ago, when I was pastoring my first senior pastor role, uh, I told the board, guys, I'm going to talk about tithing next Sunday. And uh, one of my board members said, um, so where's that in the Bible? Oh, yeah, are, are in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he said, are you, sh you sure? I said, yep, I'm really sure. <laughs> it wasn't. Nope. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, was, uh, I got humbled really fast at an, an early time. And I had only begun my journey of discovering my identity in Christ. So covenants and all that stuff, it was all new to me. But it's such a huge topic today because money still plays a role in how people are manipulated. It's misunderstood. Um, can we just kind of chat through some of the misconceptions first on the front end? You guys okay? And, and jump in with whatever. So thanks, Richard, Bill, and Bob for being part of this. And uh, let's, let's engage in this. Yeah. I, I, without meaning to just jump in and commandeer time, but I would tell a story, a, a quick story, if you don't mind, about giving. This, this, this subject is really, really near and dear to me, really close to my heart. My father left when I was uh, three years old. He just deserted us. My mother was very ill with a bad pregnancy. She almost died. We ended up living with relatives for a time. And, uh, and then finally, my mom got a job in a little rural school teaching. We got a little house to live in. We didn't have a car. Uh, uh, she would, she, a couple of teachers would come by and get her to take her to school. And a pastor and his wife of the Second Baptist Church in West Plains, Missouri, would come and get us to take us to church. Uh, Second Baptist, by the way, conveys that it certainly wasn't the first Baptist or the big one. And it was it's accurate. It was the poor one, right? Uh, Mom told me this story many times. It had a profound effect on me. Uh, one week, the pastor decided to have a a, a revival, uh, in in which he 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 just preached every night all week. We didn't have somebody in or anything, apparently. But on Thursday evening, the pastor and his wife came by to get us, and we got in the car in the back seat. And, and mom said on the way to church, I asked her for something to put in the collection plate. And unknown to anybody in the car but her, she gave me the last nickel she had till payday. Mm. Uh, and we got to church that night. They passed the plate, and I put my nickel in. And the pastor took mom aside the next evening and said, Donna, I need to tell you that we're a poor church, and I've been passing the plate every night. And 
I didn't intend to pass the collection plate last night, but I knew Bobby had a nickel. And I didn't want to disappoint him. He said, um, man, uh, a deacon from the First Baptist Church, a very successful man named Clyde Williams, owned a chain of shoe stores. He said, Clyde Williams came last night, and he put a $50 check in the collection plate. Now, let me tell you, 50 bucks in the Second Baptist Church of West Plains, Missouri in 1950 was a lot of money. Mm. If you do the math, if, if only Bobby and Clyde put money in the collection plate that night, Bobby's nickel multiplied itself by a thousand times. And if I'm the pastor of the Second Baptist Church of West Plains, Missouri, I'll never talk about giving again without telling that story, right? <laughs> but I will tell you that when we really got serious with church, I remembered that story. And I, I literally, we'd been going to church for a while, and I literally went back and said, how much money have I made since we started going? And I wrote a check for all of it. Like I caught up on my tithing. The pastor of that church, pretty good sized church, but the pastor of that church called and said, You just wrote a pretty good sized check. And I said, Well, yeah, I was just catching up. And he said, Well, can we use it to gravel the parking lot? I said, It's God's money, man. Use it for whatever you want to. But my mode, my giving through, all through our, our immersion in the evangelical movement is always driven by that nickel uh, and the story of that nickel. There was a Sunday. In, in, in that period of time, we were then going to a fairly small evangelical church. There was a Sunday when my tithe was $5,000. That, by the way, met Bobby's nickel was $100,000, 100,000 times multiplied, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was always a guy that, that wanted to give more. Uh, maybe, maybe some of it was ego, but I always had a passion to give. I had a uh, I, I had a, I felt like it was a motive to give. I looked for places to give. When we left the movement, I couldn't uh, I couldn't do it anymore. I'll tell you that when my mother passed away, sometime after she passed away, Flo was going through her some of her things, and she came across a a purse, and she opened the purse, and there was a twenty dollar bill in that purse, and I carried that twenty dollar bill around for a time, and we were visiting a small church, and believe it or not, the pastor asked me to get up and talk about giving. And I gave that that twenty dollars is the last money I ever gave to a church. Uh, so so mom's nickel was was the first, and her last twenty dollar bill was the last. And, 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 and I mean, only God can orchestrate that kind of stuff, right? But I haven't been able to give. Not that I can't financially give. I I spiritually have not been able to give for more than a decade. Now what we've done is we've started started tithing into our own house you know we've helped our kids get a get both our kids get a house and and you've know, helped them with college debt to get rid of that and, and a lot of things and 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 you know you can go back to the whole tithe that there may be meat in my house and you can apply it to you instead of the way it's always been applied to church but the story of bobby snickle won't go away mm. i uh I need to find a way that I can get back there. You know that pastor, what that pastor did that night was he didn't want to deprive, deprive little Bobby of the blessing of giving. Hmm. 
He didn't want to deprive me. You know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We don't hear that very often. And 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 that that pastor, with that little boy whose daddy had deserted him, whose mom was scraping scraping by to make a living. He 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 didn't he didn't want to deprive that little boy of the blessing of giving. And here I am, seventy years later, and I'm still blessed by that story. Amen. We got to find that spot, guys. I've got to find that spot. You guys may be finding it. I've got to find that spot. We got some misconceptions to go through. What do you guys think, Richard and Bill? You got I can see thoughts turning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the. Uh... 2 Corinthians 9, 7 verse, which says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I think, and I think that challenge, and I know Bill's got a lot to say about this, but, you know, with the deconstruction that's going on, you know, I, I'm in a situation where, I mean, we're all four of us, we, we're ministers. I mean, whatever you want to call that, you know, we, we share the word. It's, I mean, we, we're devoted our lives to, to, this, to these issues. Uh, but we're in different situations. You know, I, I'm in a situation where I've been blessed, you know, what, well, it's a mixed blessing, but I mean, it is at least on the financial level, it, it's a good blessing practicing law. And, uh, and that's let me, you know, that's let me both be able, you know, to give, but also to not, to not have a need, you know, you know, so, so much from others, you know, even with regard to what I share. Um, and, and that's, that's been a blessing. And, but if I did have a need, you know, I, I think this thing is really need driven uh, that if, if we're a living, if we're a living body of Christ, then we need to follow the need. You know, we give cheerfully when we see a need. Um, I know, uh, I think it's a Proverbs 27. Do, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. You know, so so what is due? How does it become due with somebody? But well, according to need. Yeah. That this this church, even the plan, the first century church, they even the plan, they wanted everyone to be blessed. They wanted everyone's needs to be met, you know. And in the giving of that, it even it brings more abundance, like you know, like Bob said. So, so to me, the the thing is to stay away from compulsive giving. You know, that's what the tithe is. You know, that's how it's. But I mean, I'm not saying someone can't can't slingshot from the tithe into a generosity of spirit. You know, but but it's got to be a heart decision more than anything else. And and here's the real challenge. And I'll and I'll let Bill chime in. You know, obviously with with because I know he's got some some strong stuff on this. But, uh, you're, but you're scaring us. <laughs> you know, we, we look for the need, and we, um, and, and and it's not by compulsion. It's a heart decision, and that's the way. You know, I, let me let me share this passage in Timothy. This is a this is a big passage, and this is talking about elders. And, you know, Paul called himself an elder, you know, at, at, at times. I mean, when elders are people who've been around a while. All four of us certainly fit that. You know, we've been around. The All the white hair here, yeah. Or no hair, yeah. Or, yeah, well, absence of it, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I promise myself if I ever get gray, I'm not going to be in denial about it. <laughs> uh, but uh, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So, so the question is, all this should be need-based. So that if, uh, you know, Mike, I particularly think about you in a situation like this. You're such a facilitator. You're out there facilitating the heck out of stuff. 
right. and stuff that, that you know that we don't the rest of us don't do that's a particular facilitative gift that you have and i know one other person that you remind me of it's not anyone any of y'all would know but it's someone locally and he's, he's just like a oil between ligaments in the body and um uh, and and and, and you know, and I know in your situation, having a church and being a, a pastor in a church, it's particularly challenge, challenging. It must be challenging for you to be in a situation where you don't want to even sound like compulsive giving is needed. That but, means guilt-driven, in case somebody's not catching that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, but see, here's here's the thing: if we're going to be a mature body and a thoughtful body, and and what what Bob is talking about, the giver needs to think ahead. That, that, uh, ahead of the curve. We don't, you know, it's one thing to be told there's a need, but we need to be more sensitive to look for people's needs, you know, and you, you put a lot of, you sow a lot of seed out there and people who, who receive the seed or benefit from the seed that you, you know, that you sow should, should, should be mindful of that. I mean, for this, this is a, this is a, you know, full-time vocation for you. Even though I know you do other things. It's, a, it's, it's also uh, a full-time uh, vocation. So, um, and I know it's in your heart, you know, to, uh, I'm uh, sorry, getting a phone call there. I know it's, it, it's in your heart to, uh, you know, to, to work through deconstruction and help people through deconstruction. But then I could also see on, 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 a, you know, on a financial level that, you know, that people, that they forget about giving all together, you know, and it, uh, uh, Bill posted something fantastic today. <laughs> Uh, did you? I, uh, you know what it is, don't you? I don't. I know which one it was. <laughs> if my my rule of thumb is, if you're deconstructed, oh, yeah. it leaves Jesus out of it. I'm out of it too. I'm, I'm I going to read that. Yeah. And, uh, but but it should also be giving. I mean, giving should be another thing with it. If if your deconstruction means you can't be generous to people who who mm. you see bless others, and who your heart is for, and um, you know, I, I want to be the kind of giver that thinks ahead of the curve. Uh, now, there were times when Paul, this is amazing, but there were times when Paul would ask, you know, obviously he, he, he had a need, but there were other times when he said, I didn't take anything from you because you challenged my motive. You weren't, you know, that Corinthian church, they weren't mature enough to deal with that. When they didn't have that generosity of spirit. So, uh, so he said, and, and that's when he would tempt me, you know, but uh, so all this by way of saying, it's a call to maturity. It's a call to thoughtfulness. It's a call to, to heart searching. And uh, we need to be able to share this and, and, and really uh, for you to share it. When Paul had to share it, he felt uncomfortable. You could tell, I, I'm t you know, I could, I, he, it's almost like you could say, I could tell you're churning about wondering what my motive is. And no one wants to have, and that's what the Corinthian frustration was with him, is that they were challenging his motive. And that's a thorn in the flesh we can talk about another time, because I honestly think the thorn in the flesh was the Corinthian church. He said, this is the third time I'm coming to you. And he, then he said the thorn in the flesh was, you know, it's hit me three times. And it's because they were challenging his motives. That's what I think. But that's that's for another day. But anyhow, uh, just 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 to uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, hand it over to Bill at this point. But I want to say one quick thing about the tithe. I think the tithe is an Old Testament shadow of the New Testament truth. And the New Testament truth is that devotionally we give the Lord our first best thought, our first best impulse our first best devotion of the day. And that is giving to the Lord. He doesn't, the Lord doesn't need the money. He's already got the money. He, sheep on it. But what does he want? What does he need? What blesses him is our devotion. So I think the tithe is to be, mm. everything in the Old Testament is moved from external into the internal. So the tithe, I call it the heart tithe. Yeah. You give your heart to God, first, you give your first best notice to God, and then he, he takes the rest. 
he takes the rest and he blesses and he leads us and he, you know, so, so that's my take on the time. So anyway, I know Bill. No, that was really good. Actually, I, I, that, that dovetails into a thought I had this morning. I didn't post it yet. I hadn't worked it through completely. Totally didn't plan on saying this, but I'm blessed. I'm, I'm a happily married man. And um, I get up most mornings and, you know, go take a shower, brush my teeth, shave, do all that stuff, um, get dressed. And then before I leave my, um, my bedroom, bathroom, I, I don't say words during that entire time. I'm, you know, I'm, nobody's awake. I'm the only person up. So I'm just I'm doing my thing. And the first words almost I speak every day. And it, it hit me today out of nowhere was I, I kiss my wife on the forehead usually and just say, good morning. I love you. I start my day with devotion. I start my day with adoration. And, and I think there's only two ways of approaching that. And, and, and I think people who are truly blessed, and again, it doesn't have to be another human being per se, but when we start our day either giving devotion or receiving devotion, either one, that's exactly what you're talking about, Richard. That's that 10% right there. And, and it's, it's bi-directional, right? We're receiving devotion or giving devotion, either one. I mean, that, what a powerful th- way to start our day. And I know some people start with devotion back in the old church days, you know, quiet time. And I just had the moment of my quiet time is just literally being able to just kiss my wife and say, Hey, look, I love you, you know, and, and, and my day starts. And without that, it's incomplete, which is kind of just kind of a cool thing um, that, that dovetails into that, I think. But on the giving side, yeah, yeah, we, we'll, we'll get into it here in a minute. Um, I do have strong opinions, especially when it comes to traditional institutional pressure and a lot of the, the mechanics and the, the dog and pony show that go behind the institutional church, probably what you want to address, Mike, that this Bob, that you probably have just, just, it, it, it destroys some of the joy, right? And God loves a cheerful, God loves a joyful yeah. giver. I, I had that wrote, written down second Corinthians nine, uh, you know, six through eight as well. Um, and, and I've heard churches use that as their, their kind of motivational verse. And yet there's all this other, baggage that stacks up in this this you know kind of pretense that comes along with it that you know hey yeah I, we need you to be joyful but if you don't here's all the things that are going to happen if you don't give and all of a sudden it becomes you know like like you say compulsory so h- how do we how do we navigate that i i don't know Here, here's the here's the truth i i don't want to anyone in any way who's watching this to feel condemned for giving to an institution ever because if that's your joy and great (laughs) perfect right i also don't want people who feel you know convicted the wrong word but who who feel just that that's not where their joy is anymore to also feel guilty either because if we're coming from a place of burden or guilt in this conversation at all then then that's not the joy of the lord that's not the lightness of christ that's not the easy yoke uh, you know so if you're you're not free to not give you're not free to give that's that's what i've heard Boom. Right. And, and, and so I've, I've, I've had joy giving to organizations and knowing those organizations can produce something that I can't in them of myself because they have structure and they have, you know, uh, infrastructure to, to facilitate, just like you were saying with Mike, I've also been able to, in my life, give anonymously to individual situations with absolutely nobody ever knowing and, and not saying that for any other reason than to just articulate that, there's a tremendous joy there, that whole don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing kind of scenario. And, and, and you know, I think when we have the inspired uh, 
perspective that what we have is not even, you know, is, is just so abundantly fruitful and, and that we don't have to worry about um, lack. A, giving becomes almost effortless, but that's, I think, a maturation, just like you were saying, Richard. Um, I do want to talk about the tithe more, but I don't know if we want to kind of, Mike, I, I want to let you chime in a little bit and but I got some fun, fun parts of the tithe that I, I do want to address. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's get into it because I think the tithe, we got to deal with that topic first yep. in order to unpack and unwind a tightly wound ball that was never intended for us. Um, I, I know when I told my church leadership team, hey, yes, it's in the New Testament, this whole tithing, this required giving. Um, I had to look up what the tithe was and I thought, man, this new covenant's getting off easy because the, the Old Testament folks, they had to give more than 10%. It was like a 41, 42, even 46%, depending on the math you're doing. But it's in the uh, late 30s and early 40s percentage of your income. You had to give through um, food donations, money donations, for all these kinds of things. The tithe was actually a different part. There's all kinds of offerings that were required under the law so that the one group of people that had no income could be you know, taken care of. So well, I got the I got the law of the tithe right here. You want to hear it? Yep. The, yeah. I've I've only heard one pastor with the guts to actually teach on this passage I'm about to read ever in my life. Only one pastor. So Mike, you would be a pastor that would absolutely have the guts. All right. So Deuteronomy 14 is where we find the law of the tithe. Right. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Okay. There's your tenth. Right. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and olive oil. Ooh, wine? Did you say wine? Yeah. Oh, new wine and olive oil and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of your Lord, your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord, your God, always. Now, let me repeat what it just said. Eat the tithe. You, where? At a place where you get to worship God, all right? So that you may learn to revere the Lord your God. Now, this is the Old Testament. This is, this is Old Covenant stuff, right? But if that place is too far distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place you're going is, is too far away, then exchange your tithe for silver. Take your silver with, with you and go to the place the Lord your God will uh, choose. Use the silver to buy anything to buy whatever you like, excuse me, buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, wine and kugels, um, or anything you wish, then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect, neglect the Levites, all right? There's that set-aside class living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your town so that the Levites, who have no allotment of their own inheritance, and the foreigners and the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So basically, the tithe, two out of three years, is about taking 10% of your own and having a party in the presence of God. Wow. That's beautiful. 
And then the third year, there should be enough if everybody participates and brings their 10% to feed those who don't have. So it's 30%, 33% of the 10% for three years, right? If they, you know, if that makes sense. It's a third of a three-year 10% uh, keep. I've never heard anybody at a church say, okay, everybody can pull your money together. and We're going to have a giant party. And we're just going to lavishly spend it on food and wine and celebrate in the presence of God. And you can buy anything you want. That's, that's the Old Testament. And yet you can watch it get legalized through the, through the Old Testament as it continues on. And, and you're right, Richard. This is, a, this is a foreshadowing of Christ, right? This is a foreshadowing of Christ. This isn't about a law. That law has been nailed to the tree. Anybody who's kind of studied the Old Covenant, New Covenant kind of paradigm. But, but just to jump in real quick. Abraham, yeah. some people point to Abraham, but there was no covenant at that time. There's and no he, law. It, there was no law. No. And Abraham is the father of all who believe, but Abraham paid tithes. Abraham paid the tithe before the law was introduced, and tithing is a pre-law, and therefore it's applicable. Some people try to use that. <laughs> yep, they yep, they try to that. make it that way, and yet... Um, it, it but there weren't any Levi priests. Correct. <laughs> he, he, what? he didn't do it. He, he upstreamed to Melchizedek. Yes. Yeah, I think what that, he did. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and that, that's the shadow part of it. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I, I absolutely believe it's a pre-shadow of, 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 of Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it was his first best. He was giving his first and best to the Lord, which, which is that 10%. A real quick story on Hitch. This is super quick. But the movie Hitch with Will Smith, he's, he's, he's teaching a, a flub how, how to be romantic. And he's kissing the girl goodnight. So he, he takes a Kevin, what's his name? Kevin. Um, yeah. I know exactly. Big hefty guy. He takes him in and he says, now this is how you kiss a woman goodnight. You, 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 uh, you, uh, you uh, move 10% uh, across toward her, but then you stop. And you, you move 90%. Run. You move 90%. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You move, yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. You move 90% across and allow her to respond to 10%. You don't go all the way 100% across. He did it the first time. Will Smith slapped. No, 90%. <laughs> so he stopped, and then that lets the woman responds. God moves 90, 90%. And I'm not talking about a number here. I'm talking about yeah. move 90% towards Concept. it. Wow. And our, our synergy with him is just that devotion, that first best devotion that lets us kiss him every day. So I think that that's all the, all the good thing about the tithe is that. All the other stuff is just mangled. It's mangled, confusing, like Bill said, just, just getting twisted the longer into the you know, the Old Testament that it got. But the concept is first best. It's the feast of first fruits, the first yep. best off the top. You don't give him your last thought of the day. You give him your first thought of the day, and then he leads you to your last thought of the day. I had uh, a, a couple of churches I know have it built into their membership that you are required. Now, we have to change our wording of our church membership. And by the way, church membership we tell folks for, that are part of our church is a legal requirement for our Canadian taxation thing. It's not a God law. You must be a member. It's not about covering and protection, all that crap. Um, but we need members to stay as a charitable organization. Therefore, there's a legal component to it. And we encourage them, look, if you're going to be part of this church, please support it. You know, if you're going to vote on money things, then be a participant in it. We don't say you must tithe 10%, but I know for certain there are places that require it. So if you're going to sign on the dotted line, you must give a percentage. And some people even get calls halfway through the year from the church. Hey, you're behind. Uh, I know people that have left their churches because of that. It's just they're getting uh, the legalism. 
the legalism yeah. of, of, of giving inside of the institutional yeah. church is, is, is really toxic yeah. in, in large supply. And that's what I it's want to talk about. Oh, it's, it's fear-based. It's threat-based. Yeah. You're going to be cursed if you don't tithe. Yeah. Let me, let me say that the, the giving I did was not because I felt obligated. Because I wanted to give it. Yeah. And, sure. and I go I go back to mom. There, I, it, it occurred to me, thinking about this conversation today, uh, this morning, it occurred to me, as a four-year-old boy, I wanted to give. That's why I asked. That's, that's why mom gave me the nickel. She didn't say, here, here's a nickel you're supposed to put. I said, mom, could I, I, can I have something to put in the collection plate? So it's been in my heart since at least 1950, guys. Mm-hmm. Give, okay? And the spirit is the source. It is, and 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 so, not being able to 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 feel that spiritual motivation you're talking about, Richard, not being able to feel in my heart, yeah, here's where I can go. Yeah, I'll I'll carry Subway gift cards around. Some guy stand on the corner wanting, you know, with with a, flying a banner. I'll say, man, can you get to a Subway? He'll say, sure. I'll give him a ten dollar gift card. Uh, guess what? He's going to get some semblance of a decent meal or two out of that, right? I mean, $5 footlongs are gone, but they're still, you can still get it done. And, and so, so the desire isn't my problem. Believing that I can do it without, first of all, spending something. When I end a business conversation, I did it this morning. I'll say, did we spend our time today or did we invest it? Mm. If you spend it, it's gone. If you invest it, you have reason to believe there will be a return. Now, I don't want a financial return for giving. I, I never did buy into this seed money thing. That that always sounded pretty trashy to me, and it didn't fit my spirit. But what I do, what I did expect it to do was bear fruit in the kingdom. Which mm. is what you're talking about, the nickel. That's what you were referring to the whole time in this conversation, correct? Uh, the nickel or the $5,000 that I gave that Sunday, all that, every dime I ever gave, I believe, now there may have been some ego involved in a time or two, and that's something we need to talk about, by the way. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, cover that in the next one for sure. <laughs> but but, but, but what, I, what I'm looking for now, I want to be able, I wrote a blog post several years ago called I Miss You Church, and I listed what I missed. Hmm. And one of the things I missed was believing that, b- believing that, that you were an investment in the kingdom instead of an, an expense in a business. Mm. Uh, one of, that, 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 that what we gave was to not build tire walls, but to tear them down. Uh, and I desperately, and I've got, I've got a suggestion. I'm not just presenting a problem. I, 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 I know, Bill, you're an executive. You never come to the table with the problem unless you've got a suggestion how to solve it, right? And, and but, but, but I need to find that place or that vehicle where in my heart I can believe I'm investing mm-hmm. time, energy. I mean, I didn't just give money, man. I played lead guitar in, in, in the show you're talking about, Bill. And, and I was yep. Sunday school superintendent. I mean, I, I invested myself. In it, and, and, and I did it not because I'm a good guy, but because I was motivated. I believed in it. What, what a well, wonderful you were joy. You were, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and so as we talk about this, let's not only think about it as an issue, but let's think about a solution for it. Mm. Because there is one somewhere. Because, by the way, the Levites do need to eat. Yeah. They, they, they need to eat. Let's, but, let's, let's come back to that and yeah. take off from there into the next half. Um, so for today, this is like a teaser <laughs> for part two coming next week. 
Um, but I, I, I think this is a tough topic and I hope we can get into some more meat. I've got, I got some thoughts, but I, I see thoughts rolling like crazy. So <laughs> we'll hit end here. And then, uh, when I'm live, I'll, t- I'll rebut what we just talked about. <laughs> All right. All right. So <laughs> what'd you think? <laughs> How's that for uh first half? The second half's, uh, even better. I think you'll enjoy it next week. Hopefully that sparked some thoughts. Hopefully that will make you revisit what you believe and think uh, about giving. Maybe it'll inspire you. Listen for the voice, the voice of Christ in you to direct and inspire you. Um, I like that, I, that, that phrase, instead of spending it, you're investing it. And that's, that's actually a beautiful concept. If you, you know, part of it also is letting go. Say, hey, God, I'm giving and I'm not going to direct and say how these funds must be used. Uh, I'm going to let you work it out to where I'm giving it to because somehow my heart is led to give. You may only give once. You may give regularly. You may give for a time and then stop. There aren't any rules to this. That's what's bizarre. And that's why... Even pastoring a church, it's hard. But I know for my circumstance, I'll say, whose church is this? It's not mine. Whose church is it? It's it's Christ. So if it succeeds, Christ gets the credit. If it fails, he gets the credit, <laughs> you know, because it's not really a failure. It's here for a time. How long is Hope Fellowship going to be around? I think it's going to be around for a while because I think it has a unique purpose. I think we're here to inspire and and bring delight back into people's faith. Uh, I think being inspired with joy is a critical, critical thing that's missing um, in, in the church today. And the church doesn't have to look like the building. The church is people. This is church, what we're doing here, the connecting, the one-on-one, having the internet to be able to converse with people, to do video chats, voice calls. Um, it, it's not so controlled anymore. And I think the pandemic has really, really opened things up um, because as someone has said, it sounds like the church has lied. And uh, what did they mean? Well, they said, well, uh, we were told that, uh, you know, you got to go to church Sunday mornings, but um, this pandemic has proven it's actually fun to stay home on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's true. So, you go where you want to go be with who you want to be. And, you know, this is all at the risk of, Hey, giving permission to leave and come and go as they wish. And I think having the open hand of father who's in pop them in, but don't hang on to anybody. Let them come and go. You grieve sometimes when people leave a connection and you, sometimes you have great joy when they leave. (laughs) It all depends on your connection and that's okay. You can't control people's motives you also can't demand um, expectations from people. Um, I know people have come to my church or a small group or whatever, and they have these expectations of how being loved looks like, how acceptance looks like to them. And then they force that on and get mad when people don't fit into that paradigm. And suddenly, you know, now they're mad or become more and more bitter. The same thing with giving, you know, if your expectations if you're giving freely because you feel in your heart, this is what you ought to do. Great. I give, I, I give generously to my church and to growing in grace separately to different donations. And sometimes I tap, uh, give extra and whatever. 
because my heart believes in what's going on. I know it's making a difference. So just pray about it. You know, look at your own heart and where you, where you give. All right. That's it for today. Um, it's been a joy being with you. And if you're watching this later, make sure you comment uh, and then I can respond and say hello. Uh, if you enjoyed this, share it. And uh, we'll look forward to next time. Here we go. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.